Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Have you forgotten that you are sons? Have you forgotten that you are daughters of God? And have you forgotten the passage in Proverbs that says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Receive it. Accept it. Accept it as one who loves you, who wants to correct you, who doesn't want you entangled in sin, who doesn't want you heading in some bizarre direction. God loves us and wants to protect us. He doesn't want to see our lives destroyed by sin. And it's because He loves us so much that He disciplines us to get us back on track, to restore us, and to see relationships in our lives healed because we now walk in obedience. May we recognize God's loving hand working in our lives today, and may we humbly respond. Here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary Tucson, with Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Father, we want your spirit to move here today. We pray that you would touch us through the study of your word. We don't gather together that we can hear the philosophies of men or what one person might think, one philosophy, but we gather together to hear what you have to say. We come to you because we want to grow and mature and we want our lives to count. In the end, we want them to matter. And I pray for those that have gone astray. I pray for those that are heading down paths they should never be down and that you are bringing a heavy hand of discipline on them. I pray that they would repent today, coming back to you. I also pray for those who are here that have never given their lives to you. Lord, we pray you give them boldness to take the next step, but that they would understand that you have a call on their life, that you want to fill them with the Spirit and you want to send them out, that they would be able to represent you. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. A few years ago, talking to my grandmother, she grew up in a little rural city outside of Clinton, Iowa, a little farming community. She told me that they literally had a woodshed and that when she was a kid, that her dad used to make her go to a tree they had there, cut off the switch that she would be disciplined with and take it to the woodshed where she was spanked. Now, the woodshed has become an idiom in our culture. We don't have woodsheds around anymore, for the most part, right? Some of you guys, whenever I say something like that, somebody comes and say, I have a woodshed at my house. <laughs> well, good for you. But for the most part, we don't have a woodshed, right? But we understand it. It's become an idiom today uh, to us of discipline. And God takes us to the woodshed. In fact, there's some of you that spend so much time in the woodshed, you've got a little tent in there, you've got a little bed to sleep on because God has you in there. And the thing about discipline, the thing about the difficulties that God brings in our lives because we're going astray is we don't have to go through it. Now, I don't know, and I'm certainly not saying that every bad thing that you and I face is God disciplining us, okay? I don't know why bad things happen to good people or why good things happen to bad people, by the way. If I were running the universe, bad people would have bad things happen to them and good people would have good things happening to them. I don't know why good people have bad things that happen. I think part of it is we're part of humanity. We're part of a fallen world. We're living through time and we're getting older and older. In the 1960s, there was a group of people who believed that if you got saved, that you never got sick and they even declared that you didn't age. That only lasted for five or six years until it became obvious that the leaders of the group were aging, okay? You can only hang on to that for so long before it comes obvious. You know what? You guys are about as whack as you can possibly be. 
But we are part of humanity and things happen to us and bad things happen to us. But I know this, I don't know why it happens. I don't know why God allows it. But I know that God is able to use everything for his good for those who love him. And I want any difficulties or hardships in my life for God to use them for his glory. But if something's happening to me because God's trying to get my attention, when God gets my attention, he's going to stop. If something is happening in my life because it is the heavy hand of God, because I have developed a mindset that is wrong, or I have embraced some sinful activity, and as a Christian, as a son, as a child of God, declared, I'm going to do this anyway, and God's disciplining me because of it, then I can stop that from happening. In other words, I can move out of the woodshed if I'm smart enough to go, this is God's disciplining in my life. Now you... Christian, have a heavenly father. You have a father who cares for you. You have a father who provides for you. You have a father who loves you. Jesus said, consider the birds of the air. They neither toil nor do they work, but your heavenly father takes care of them. Your heavenly father takes care of them. He's not their heavenly father, he's yours. And he has a heart and compassion for the birds. And then Jesus said this, how much more will he care for you? If your heavenly father cares so much for those birds, how much more does he care for you? You have a father who really loves you. You have a father who really cares for you. You might not have had a good earthly father. Some of you guys here did, and you can praise God for that. Some of us here had fathers who were heavy-handed. That was me. My dad abused us through discipline. He didn't abuse us in other ways, but through discipline, he definitely abused us. I think that he was beaten as a child, and he thought, I'm going to beat rightness into them. My dad often disciplined out of anger. I remember my dad whipping the belt off, grabbing me by the arm and beating me until he felt better. It wasn't until discipline had been, you know, it was until he was wore out or his anger was gone. By the grace of God, when Jessica was born, see, because I think my dad did it because his dad did it. His dad probably did it because his dad did it. It's probably passed down from generation to generation. But I was given a book by Dr. James Dobson called The Strong-Willed Child. One of the chapters in there was on discipline. Two things that I learned from it when my daughter was still just a baby. One of them was to never discipline out of anger. He said, if you're angry, when you're getting ready to discipline, give your kid a timeout. Not for the merits of a timeout so you could cool down. Give them a timeout, count to 10, count to 100, count to 1,000, whatever you've got to do to calm yourself down where you never discipline your kids out of anger. He also said, make sure that the discipline you give your kids is equal to what they have done. Don't be heavy-handed, don't be light-handed. The power of discipline is in an equal measure that you might be able to bring correction into their lives. And it's never retributive. It's never, you've done it, now you're gonna pay. It is, I wanna bring correction into your life. And I learned that from that. And I'm really glad that I learned it from there. When, my, um, when David was younger, when he was five or six years old, he was the cutest kid ever. I say that now because if you see him, he's kind of big and tatted out completely. But when he was five or six years old, he was a really cute kid. I guess you could consider him cute now, but I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, doesn't really have anything to do with the story, but he was cute. And we were outside of a store and he began to mess around and I kind of chased him a little bit and he turned and he went between two cars and headed for the parking lot. Now, I screamed at the top of my voice, David! And then I followed him out into the parking lot where cars were going back and forth. He's just a little guy. You know cars can't see him. And I reached out, I grabbed him by the shoulders and I yelled in his face, don't ever run out and do the street. <laughs> his brown eyes got about as big as saucers and he began to wail. Whoa! 
Now, I don't know that he ever ran out into the street again. Was he ever tempted to run out into the street again? He thought, my dad's a psycho. I can't run out into the street. <laughs> I don't know. I look back at that and I think of that. I don't know that that wasn't necessarily heavy-handed. I was scared, and then he was scared. <laughs> it was kind of a shared experience. I was scared when he ran out to the street. He was scared to have a psycho dad screaming in his face. But I cared about him. I didn't want to see him get hit by a car. I loved him. Well, there are all kinds of dangers out there in life. The Bible says that sin brings death and sin brings destruction. The Bible says a good name is to be desired more than gold and silver. And God wants you to have a good name. God doesn't want you to be entangled in sin. God doesn't want your marriage destroyed because you've developed some relationship with someone you shouldn't have or you've gotten involved in some lust or pornography that you shouldn't be involved in. God doesn't want your children to lose respect for you because you start to get involved with alcohol or drugs or because you start to feel some justification for some sinful activity. Sin is sin because it's destructive and we are children of God. And we aren't to despise God. Some people say, listen, I'm an adult. I don't need to be disciplined. Yeah, but the Bible says your heart is prone to go astray. My heart is prone to go astray. And so God corrects us because he loves us. And that is what this section of scripture tells us, that we have a God that is reaching out to us. Some of us had parents who were heavy-handed, like mine, who literally abused out of discipline, and can I say that if you're there now, if you're angry and you're abusing your kids and it goes beyond it, then stop. You want your kids to never have a problem with their relationship with God. But if they see you as abusive and, and always angry and never restoring them, how are they ever going to get to the point where they think God is not abusive and isn't restoring them? God immediately restores us when we turn to him and repent. We, we need to do the same. Some of you guys had parents who didn't care. Some of you guys had parents who wouldn't be bothered with you and they let you do whatever. They weren't disciplinarians because they wouldn't do it. Well, God's neither one who doesn't care and just lets us go and he's not one who heavy-handedly uh, disciplines us. He's one that brings us the true, the proper discipline because he wants us to shine for him. He wants us to be mature, responsible children of God that are a light to a lost and perishing world. And so he brings discipline down upon us. Now, the thing is, is if you're being disciplined, you can correct it. You can get rid of the discipline by repenting. Well, let me talk to you a little bit about where they're at here. In Hebrews chapter 12, there's a group of Hebrew Christians. That's why this book is called Hebrews, because it's written to Hebrews, who had go are going back into religiosity. They were feeling persecution. There were people who were mocking them. There were people who were openly persecuting them for their faith. And because of that, some of them were going back. Some of them were being pressured to go back into religiosity. Now, the Bible tells us that we will be persecuted for our faith in Christ. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation and we are gonna be persecuted. For us in America, our persecution is more in the area of shame than it is in real persecution. In Turkey, in Egypt, in the Sudan, in the Middle East, there are Christians who are being persecuted and their lives are threatened. There are hundreds of thousands of Christians every year that have their lives taken to them for the same faith that you have. But in our culture, where we're at, we may be made fun of in school or at work. And I'll tell you, if you're being made fun of because you're a Christian, or if you've got family members who mock you because you're a Christian, or if you're in a class and your professor is making fun of Christians and you're afraid to stand up for Christ in that room, don't be afraid of that because Jesus endured hostility from sinners and this is an opportunity for you to shine for him. 
See, a lot of people will do anything for Jesus. They'll live for him, they'll die for him, they'll sacrifice. But as soon as they start to get embarrassed for him, then they won't do it. But we've been called to do everything, to even receive the shame. And isn't it interesting? If you are a college student, you can be involved in anything. You can be involved in the most wackiest, weirdest religion in the world and they'll accept you. But if you're a Christian, then they'll mock you. Then they'll turn against you. That ought to tell you something. Isn't it interesting that the professors who want to curse the name of Jesus and drag him through as much as he possibly can, isn't it interesting that they never curse in the name of Muhammad? They never curse in the name of Allah. They never curse in any, any Hindu or Krishna or any other kinds of religions, but they curse the living God and they curse Jesus, the son of God. It's not because of you that they hate you. They aren't looking at you and saying, I hate you. If you were some other religion, they'd accept you. It's because of Jesus that they hate you. They were being persecuted. And because of that persecution, they were turning away from him. And so in verse three, he says this to them. Jesus endured hostility from sinners against himself. Just as you and I need to endure hostility of sinners against us. And then he says this, you haven't begun to resist sin unto bloodshed. Some have kind of thought, well, that verse tells us that we need to fight against sin to bloodshed. It's not what it's saying. I am not opposed to fighting against sin, okay? But it's not saying that. What it's saying is, is just as Jesus endured hostility from sinners, so we are going to receive hostility from sinners. And he's telling these particular Hebrew Christians, they're not shedding your blood yet. You haven't resisted unto bloodshed and still you're not enduring. They had need of endurance. They were turning and running when blood had not even been shed yet. What were they gonna do when the Roman Empire began to persecute them by bloodshed? If when it came to shame, they weren't willing to stand their ground. And so then he says to them, have you forgotten? See, there's certain things we forget. Have you forgotten that God disciplines his children? That's what he says in verse five. Read it here with me. He says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to us as sons. And then he quotes Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. I want to start today by asking you, have you forgotten that you are sons? Have you forgotten that you are daughters of God? And have you forgotten the passage in Proverbs that says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Receive it, accept it. Accept it as one who loves you, who wants to correct you, who doesn't want you entangled in sin, who doesn't want you heading in some bizarre direction, who doesn't want you deceived by sin. And so God brings you into the woodshed. My wife was incredibly insightful when it came to what was happening in our lives. And sometimes when something would be going on and I would say, I don't know what God's doing. And she would say, maybe God's doing this. I would go, oh yeah. It is easy for us to forget the work that God's doing and to forget that God's disciplining us. And if God's disciplining you now, if you've got something in your life that you know is wrong and you've settled into it, you've harbored that sin in your life and then there's some hardship going on, consider whether or not God may be disciplining you and how it would be good for you to get rid of that in your life. Remembering that God disciplines those whom he loves. Look at verse six. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. It is out of love that we chasten our children and it is out of love that God chastens us. It goes on to say in verse seven, if you endure chastening, see Jesus endured hostility from sinners against himself. And now if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whose father does not chasten? 
But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, in other words, every one of us have chastening in our life, okay? All of us have become partakers of that. Then you are illegitimate, not sons. He's saying if you are given over to your sin, if you begin to go down that road, maybe you start flirting with a girl who's at work and you say, well, it's not sexual. Well, you're just deceiving yourself because it is sexual. You guys might not have touched each other yet, but it's sexual by nature because flirting in itself is sexual and you're heading down that road and God puts up a roadblock and God puts up another roadblock and God begins to cause difficulties and hardships in your life and you're going around that roadblock. Remember that God disciplines those whom he loves and he wants to spare you the trouble, the trials, the difficulties that are gonna come your way. But if there's no roadblocks, you say, well, there's no roadblocks in my life. If I want to go out and get drunk, I just go out and get drunk. If I want to flirt with that girl, I just flirt with that girl. You know what it tells me? You're not a son. You're not a daughter. God disciplines his children. And if you've been given over to sin, far scarier to be given over to sin than to have the discipline of God. Far scarier for God to go, you know what? Just go ahead and do it. Remember when, when Balaam wanted to curse the children of Israel and God said no. And then Balaam asked again and God said, go ahead and go. That was not good news for Balaam, by the way, because God sent an angel along the way to kill him. And so if all of a sudden God allows you to have some sin in your life, if all of a sudden the restriction and discipline is gone, that's the scariest place to be. If you find yourself in that place today, then turn and run back to the arms of your heavenly father. Surrender yourself to him completely and surrender yourself to his discipline because if you're not disciplined, then you're illegitimate. That's what he says, right? Now he goes on to say here in verse, verse nine, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? Now we have had human fathers who, who chastened us. I spoke about how my dad chastened me. The purpose of that is to bring someone back to the right place. I haven't been the perfect father by any means. I don't believe that I always disciplined correctly. When my Again, my oldest boy, David, he was the one that ran out into the street when he was about nine years old. You know, David, great kid, never did anything that was, was really bad, not that I know of, okay? <laughs> never caused us any real problems, okay? But he was lippy. You guys have a kid like that? He just gave lip, you know? I tell him to do something, he say no. And just defy you to do something about it. He was just that way. And uh, I think he's that way now, even to this day, to some degree. You know, if a cop pulled him over, let me see your license. No. What are you going to do? Well, Dave, don't do those kind of things. But he was just lippy with me. Finally, I got so frustrated with him, I grabbed his ear, twisted it. And immediately I felt convicted. Immediately I felt like, oh, and I sat down in front of him and, you know, I kind of chewed him out and got angry and then came back and I said, Dave, I'm sorry. And I want you to know that I will never twist your ear again. <laughs> it's true. Now, he rewrote history. I was talking to him last night. He came over to the house last night after church. And I told him that I talked about him in church. I told him that I told that story. And he goes, yeah, you used to twist my ear all the time when I was a kid. He rewrote history. I didn't twist his ear all the time. But now because I apologized to him, he's like, oh yeah, I remember that. You're twisting my ear all the time. <laughs> hey, our fathers weren't perfect, were they? They didn't discipline us perfectly because they were humans. They made mistakes. But the goal, see, my dad abused us through discipline. But I think he had the right heart. I think he wanted me to grow up and be responsible. I think my dad was incredibly frustrated with me on a lot of levels. I think I made my dad incredibly angry. Doesn't justify anything that he did. 
but I believe that his heart was right in what he was wanting to do with me and wanting to do in our lives. And if we have fathers that abused us because, or, or that didn't, uh, didn't discipline us hard enough, that didn't do it right and we respect them, how much more respect should we have for God? Because what God wants to do is bring profit into your life. He wants you to be blessed. When my uh, youngest son, Chris, I owe him 20 bucks for this, by the way, because I told him, if I, if I ever tell stories about you in church, I'll give you 20 bucks. I made that deal with him when he was younger, but I'll still give him 20 bucks when I get home. Um, he was seven years old and he wanted to go down to the pool that was, we had a community pool by our house and he wanted to go down and buy nachos before dinner. And I told him, wait until after dinner and I'll take you down there. And then all of a sudden he disappeared. Lisa's running through the house looking for him. We can't find him. We have relatives that are over. We're all out on the street screaming, Chris, 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 trying to find him. We can't find him. I'm scared. Somebody pulled up and grabbed this poor seven-year-old off the street and drove off with him. Then he comes down the street from the community pool. They didn't have nachos that night, but he had his hands full of goldfish that he liked, okay? And he's running just as fast as his little skinny legs will take him back towards us. And my older boy, who's seven years older than him, looked at him and said, dad's going to kill you. <laughs> Instead of saying, oh, I'm so glad you're okay, Chris. Come on back to the house. Dad's going to kill you. So when I saw Chris, his eyes were so big, his arms full. I took away his goldfish, put him up. I ate him later in front of him. And <laughs> just kidding. And took his goldfish away from him. And I sent him to his room because I was angry. I wanted to calm down. I wanted to talk to Lisa. And so we were talking in the kitchen. What do we think we should do here? I really think we ought to spank him. I think this is severe. I think we really ought to make a stand here with him because this is, you know, he just can't be doing this. And from the back of the room house, I hear him going, oh God, oh God, why did I do it? Why did I do it? Why did I do it? Oh God, why did I do it? Now, I got to tell you, it was hard for me to go back there and discipline him. And I had to wipe the smile off my face as I'm standing outside of his door listening to him wail, why, oh, why, oh, why? <laughs> but I got to tell you that I disciplined him with a lighter hand than I would have had he not been doing that. It was that heart that I was looking for, that he would understand when dad says, don't go down there, that I don't go down there. And I think the same is true with God. I think that if we take his disciplines and we say, God, why did I do that? I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe that the hand of God is light upon us. Some of us need to change it. Some of us can have so much that will be taken care of in our lives if we would just surrender to the, the chastisement of God. And if we had fathers that chastise us, it says, as seems fit to them, look at verse 10, for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. God recognizes the shortcomings that we have in discipline towards our children. We did it, they did it for us, it seems best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of holiness. What does God want in your life? Freedom, holiness. He doesn't want you to be someone who's constantly running around doing things that are wrong, not shining for him. The example of a dog is used well here. Uh, if you have a dog that's disobedient, you keep that dog on a short leash. You lock that dog up in the backyard. But then if you have another dog and that dog's incredibly obedient, that dog will do whatever you want it to do. I, I grew up with a dog like that. That gate could be left open. She could be out with us. We would take that dog out and because she didn't run off, she had an incredible amount of freedom. 
God wants to for your profit. He wants you to be the one who would be set free. For we have been set free for him. We have been given liberty, not so we can continue on in sin, the Bible says, but so that we can be free. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Kgun 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.